0: welcome to gather round with rebecca spooner you guys i have had a day here all right i'm even doing this beforehand because i have just something that god has laid on my heart to share with you today so it's definitely a coffee or tea kind of podcast i feel like they all are i mean how is it even possible you know without it um today's podcast is titled stay soft and this is this is the message. I've got a metaphor for you guys and everything. So, um settle in and let's get started. I've been thinking about how to start this episode and um you know, what kind of intro I wanted to do and how to kind of broach the topic. And I honestly, I want to share stories. I want to share some of my own stories, which are not perfect. And they are, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. It's funny. I was, I saw this old post that I had made back in my young, merry days that was like, you know, you ever just look at your old stuff and you just cringe. It's like, ugh I'm so immature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not perfect and I have made a lot of mistakes and a lot of those things definitely did happen um, earlier, you know, and hopefully I'm getting better and making less mistakes today. I mean, that's the goal, right? But hopefully through my stories, you guys will be able to relate and it will also preface this message with, you know, God's laying it on my heart, but don't worry. It's for me too. Okay. So anyways, okay. Stay soft. So I have so many different angles that I could hit this. It's it's not even funny. I mean, we could talk about staying soft when we're talking about our heart. We can talk about staying flexible and what it means to be flexible. We really this comes down to a root of religiosity or a root of pride, and um, you know, thinking that you have all of the answers and an inability to be flexible or be able to be humble enough to learn something new because you are so. Um, fixated on what you think is the only way. Of course, this is a, a token symbol of young people everywhere, right? And if you're a young person listening to this, I'm not judging you right now because it's like a rite of passage, okay? We all kind of do that. I think God actually allows young people to be extra confident because they need that confidence to get through the awkward, uncomfortable, mistake-ridden years that are in front of them. So you know that confidence—it's—it's gonna bring some knocks your way. And the sooner you learn things, the better. But it is just kind of a natural progression. And for some people, for some people, they—they don't—they—they they aren't put in situations where it forces them to grow, and they stay in that for longer. For other people, they have situations they encounter that force them to come face to face with this pride, this religiosity, whatever it may be, that is, is is making them inflexible and hard and unmoving. And they grow from it. You have the opportunity to either grow or to harden. That's that's it. There is no other. You can either grow or you can harden. And sometimes it is the greatest knocks in life, though they are difficult, that that allow you the most growth and maturity. So if you're young and you're listening to this, don't, don't Don't reject the learning. It's so humbling and it is so hard, but don't reject it. Every time you are humbled, God will lift your head. I'm not talking about that very second. God may very well be the exact person who is humbling you, and it is time for you to actually take that dose. That is taking your medicine, right? But but I'm telling you that each time you do, you now will have more character for God to be able to now lift your head because you are learning humility. So, I mean... I have learned this. I would say that for anyone to be able to be in a place of leadership, this is a lesson that you have to learn. And if you do not learn this, then your fall is going to be so much greater, so much more public, and so much harder than somebody that learns this before they begin to enter any sort of leadership. This is key. This is so important. So as a leader... Who is still, you know, always learning this lesson? I've I've had my stories. I mean, I can take you back parenting. Um, you know, when my kids were really little, I remember I remember being pregnant and and having all these hopes and aspirations and imagining what life would be like with this little child, this perfect little child in my arms. And then they would grow up and they would be toddlers, and I love toddlers, just absolutely could eat them up. I love them, and and it was going to be adorable, and we were going to talk, and and I was, you know, going to teach them, and and then they were going to grow into these. These beautiful young studious minds, and I was gonna shape those minds, and we were just gonna have so much fun, and it was just gonna be exciting. And then I actually had children. <laughs> And when I had children, I had so many wake up calls. I feel like parenting is like the number one best way to have lessons in humility because you walk into it thinking that you have all the answers. And I feel like I had an extra dose of that. Okay, so growing up, I'm from a family of six kids and my mom had four of us very close together and then she didn't have another one till I was 11. And then she had another one, my little sister, when I was 16. Okay, at this point, I have graduated. I graduated early, I'm ready to move out of the house, and there is a new little baby in the house. So I had had a, a great variety of experience with young children. I was the babysitter of the year, okay, everyone wanted me. I loved kids, I loved little ones, and I was good at it. So the problem is, when you are naturally good at something, you, unless you have that knock, You just keep growing in your confidence and your pride. And so when I walked into parenting, I was full of it. I thought I knew everything. I wasn't worried about how to change diapers. I wasn't worried about when, you know, when I should take him to the doctor or when I shouldn't. But I learned so many things through parenting. Watching my little little son, who still was like, I look at all of our kids and I'm like, man, God was so gracious to give us our firstborn. But watching him like have absolute tantrums and fight us. I remember a 20-minute fight with my two-year-old. Okay, now I I know that seems like, I mean, mean, like imagine some wrestling ring and like, no, of course we weren't wrestling. But I'm telling you, it was a standoff of epic proportions. My son was unwilling to move. And it was like, okay, I haven't tested you before, but now I'm going to test you. And we'll see who walks away. Okay? Like it was like epic. And and I'm proud to say that um well, let's <laughs> see. <sighs> We did succeed, though I will say it was probably my husband that succeeded more than me. My little mama heart was like, I was sitting on the floor crying. I was like, I just, let's just, I don't know, give him what he was because it's so intense. But my husband was like, no, no, he is testing us and we have to win. And I'm like, anyways, okay. So let's just say my son, um, my son is wonderful, but he definitely tested us a few times. And when he did choose to test us, oh my goodness. I mean, walking, I remember walking in the winter and he decided he was done walking. Now I had another baby and was pregnant with my third. I basically have three, two, one, and pregnant almost, well, I had them all pretty much within that time, but anyways, and and we're walking. So I've got one in the stroller, I'm pregnant, and my little two, three-year-old, however old he was, decided he was done. He was not walking another step, okay? He melts down on the middle of the road. It's hot, it's sunny, I'm emotional, I'm tired. I have a long way still to go to get to this like play thing that we were going to. And then I have to make it all the way home and I'm trying to hold my son in one arm who is flailing while I'm pushing the stroller in the other and I'm like, I'm ready to pass out. Like I have so many of these situations where I remember I was going to look on the outside and said, I'm not going to have that, right? I'm going to train up my child in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. Not just when they're old, but when they're young, there will be no departing. I will just train them and they will listen. Um, and then, you know, I had kids. I think this is like, absolutely prevalent in homeschooling. And again, I had this special double dose of confidence because I grew up being homeschooled all the way through. I knew homeschooling. I knew homeschool curriculum. This was my territory. I knew all about what I was going to do. When my son was three, I was already calling up the local schools to find out my options for putting him in. Yes, it was two years away, but I wanted to be well prepared for exactly what to expect. Was there an option of a pre-registering was it possible for genius children you know to start early i don't know like i was ugh, chomping at the bit to fulfill my dream of being a homeschool mom okay so i had uber confidence it was like seeping out of me i never lacked confidence when it came to homeschooling homeschool child number 1 if you've heard some of my some of my uh, speaking sessions if you've ever come, it was it was up and down and we'll leave that for another session or come and listen to me at conferences. Um, let's just say it definitely wasn't perfect and it was a massive knock on my on my pride. Enter child number two who decided to test me beyond all limitations and I came to the point of deciding I knew nothing. Enter child number three who just ultimately hated school and wasn't interested in it whatsoever and the busyness of child four and five hanging off my hip and I realized you know what I just am not even sure that I'm good at this at all and now I've just embraced that okay I've just embraced it I'm like you know what I don't do it perfectly. I am a little bit of a hot mess, and maybe a lot of a hot mess, especially now. I just keep adding more and more and more and more to my plate, and then people ask, you know, what unit are you on? Don't ask that question. Don't don't, don't ask things you don't wanna know the answer to, okay? Um, needless to say, I have learned that I am not a perfect homeschool mom. I have learned that I am not a perfect mom. I have learned Through difficult situations and experiences and often humiliating and embarrassing circumstances and situations, I have learned that I do not have all the answers. And as awful as those situations are, each time I have faced those things, it has helped me to grow as a person. It has allowed me to become less and less judgmental of somebody else. Now, when I see people and they're going through something or they're doing something that I would do differently, even if it is a far different situation than anything I ever encountered before and I really feel like I have the answer, I still reserve judgment. I hold it back, you guys, why? Because who am I to judge you when, my goodness, I made eight million mistakes on my own, okay? I am not a perfect person. It has made it so much easier for me to look at other people and have grace for what they are walking through because I just don't know everyone else's situation. My goodness, I don't even know my own situation. So when we're talking about staying soft and when we're talking about staying flexible, I do think those are two different things, but I want to talk about both of them together. But I want to preface it with all of this to say that it it actually does require work. It does require practice. It is not a natural thing. You are not born, you know, incredibly... perfectly soft and natural I would say even like I said as you become older God allows you when you're like a teenager right you've got your little kids they grow in confidence they become who they are and then they're little teenagers and little young adults and they are extra 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 confident because they're gonna need that for the risks that they have to take for the steps that they have to take they need that extra confidence and then they're gonna spend the the next season of their life coming down a peg or two right and realizing okay wait a minute maybe I was a little overconfident, but it's natural. Those things are natural. And each time those things allow you to grow. Okay. So I have a little metaphor for you. I was thinking of this little metaphor. And you may be wondering, you know, why are we talking about this? I'm going to loop it back at the end. I'm going to loop back both flexibility and softness, but I will say, and I will say this now, if you have walls around your heart, if you have found yourself rigid, unmoving, and unflexible, if your kids describe you as incredibly hard to please, if you are um, cold and distant, if you struggle to open yourself up to other people because you've been hurt in the past, then you need to hear this. I was looking up today, I looked up, How to keep rubber from cracking. Here's what you do. You wash it. You wash it with mild soap and water, okay? All of the different oils and things can actually damage the rubber. You need to wash it. You need to store it at room temperature. If it's in a really hot place or a very, very cold place on an ongoing basis, it's going to increase the breakdown of molecules in the rubber. You can warm up your rubber. And actually, when you warm up your rubber, you can actually restore it. And you don't do that with high, high, high heat. We're not talking about melting it. It's actually in an oven at about 200 degrees. So mild, like warmth over a longer period of time that almost cures it again. Or you can seal the cracks. When you start to have cracks come up or whatever, you can actually get professional rubber seal. You can seal those cracks so they don't get worse. Now, here's the metaphor that I have, okay? Far-reaching as it may be. Bear with me. So washing it, When we're talking about ourselves, when we're talking about our hearts, we're talking about keeping ourselves um, supple, keeping ourselves soft, keeping ourselves flexible and open to whatever the Holy Spirit has from us, I believe that the first step is is to wash. In the blood of Jesus, I think this is actually something that we neglect a lot. We have, um, we have grace. We have been covered by Jesus' blood. Jesus declares us righteous before the Father, and so you have this tendency to say, "Well, I'm already covered, so therefore there is no condemnation. So therefore, I mean, what? I mean, we're not really. Why do we need to do that whole repent thing? You know what I mean? Because. Like, what's the purpose of it? But the thing is, is that over and over and over in scripture, we see repentance. We see his kindness leads us to repentance. He says, if you confess your sins, I will be faithful to forgive them. Confession is not just for God, because as we know, Jesus' blood covered our sins. Confession is actually for us, because when we speak out loud and we confess our sins, not only does he wash us from even our our own guilt or shame, or whatever else may be covering us, but also it can break the power of that sin in our lives because we are acknowledging it, we are identifying it, and we are repenting and turning away from it. It is a massively important part of our Christian walk, and it is very easy to forget and not make it a regular occurrence. When I think about washing rubber, I'm thinking about we need to, on a regular basis, confess our sins to God, repent for our sins, turn from our sins, and we need to be washed in his blood this needs to be a practice. This needs to be something we're doing daily. This needs to be something that we are doing on an ongoing basis to keep ourselves supple, to keep ourselves soft and to remind ourselves. It's it's almost a humility action so that we don't grow in pride, so that we don't think we're all that and we have all the answers. It reminds us, you know what? No, I am making mistakes. I surrender once again to you, God. I give them to you and I ask you to come in and help. I ask you to come in and direct my, steps number two we store it at room temperature now this is what I love about this and I I know there's the verse about you know be hot or cold I mean lukewarm I'll spit you out that's talking about something different okay there is something about storing it at room temperature where it is I I see in that a stability I see in that a stable temperature that's not going to melt it crack it um you know anything like that it is a stable temperature How many of you would describe yourselves as stable? Are you like fly off the handle angry? Because in my mind, okay, we can say that's, that's, I mean, rage, that's hot. Okay. Or are you cold? Are you hard? Are you distant? Emotional stability, to be in an environment where we are stable, where we do not allow our emotions to go unchecked, where we begin to master our flesh and our, our thoughts, take our thoughts captive to um to the word of God, ultimately. When we begin to train ourselves to be stable, we we allow ourselves to stay in this place of ultimate flexibility. See, an angry person is not flexible at all. In fact, they say that when you are incredibly, incredibly angry or very, very afraid, those two things are linked. And often, and I'm just throwing this out there as a free tip, often people that are very angry and they're quick to snap and go to that anger are often people who have anxiety linked to fear because it feels out of control. And when they feel out of control, the only way they feel they can control it is if they use anger to be like a mask because now they feel more in control than they did when it was fear. I've had this in my own life. You know, you're trying to get the kids ready to go and you're running out the door and it feels out of control and no one's ready and you're going to be late. And so what do you do? You revert to anger because it's something that you can do. You feel like you're getting out this emotion that feels out of control. There's nothing you can do. Well, now I'm going to yell at everybody to get their stuff ready, right? So it's actually often rooted in fear. But they say that anger and fear, when you are feeling those things, your brain, so many of the other regions involved in in your critical thinking and problem-solving skills shut down. You have this hyper focus on what you are feeling and it's that true pigeon I I can't see anything else when you are enraged or when you are fearful. So we can't be supple, we can't be flexible, we can't be open to seeing other viewpoints and opinions and perspectives when we are pigeonholed and unable to think critically because we are so, so lost in our emotions. In the same way, people who are cold, people who are distant, people who shut down, who are just so determined and just don't, I mean, there's no emotion whatsoever. There is no empathy. There is no um, love. There is no listening to somebody else. Why would you? Because you actually don't care what they have to say. So being emotionally stable to me is similar to being stable in temperature. The other thing that you do, essentially curing it, I want to call it, even though that's not what it called it when I looked it up. But warming up the rubber, you sit in this oven. You put your rubber—I'm talking like you know your your rubber utensils or whatever your you know whatever you know what I mean—spatulas. Okay, you put them in the oven and you put them at 200 degrees and you leave it for about 10 minutes or so, and then you allow them to cool. And it softens the rubber. It allows it to be more soft and flexible. It's not a super high heat. It is just this radiating heat um, that 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 you're basking it in, essentially. When I think of that, I mean, it's just this whole picture, but when I think of that, I think of being in his presence, being in his presence. You know, I tell my kids all the time because they struggle. I mean, we all have our struggles and I'll have one kid that's struggling with anger, one kid that's struggling with pride or one kid that's struggling with, um, I don't know, talking with their, their siblings or, or showing love or whatever it may be. And and they recognize it, help mainly because I help them recognize it. <laughs> But they do. They recognize it. And we'll pray together and they'll say, I want to get better at this and I'm going, to, I'm going to do better. And my first thing out of my mouth is always, yes, I mean, we want to we want to try. And that feeling in you that I want to do better, that's, that's conviction and that's good. But on our own strength, we can't. We can't be perfect on our own strength. None of us, for, for the effort we put in trying, is going to be able to be perfect on our own strength. I remember as a young mom, I would, I was so, oh my goodness, you guys, I would, I would make a schedule. I would fail and I would say, tomorrow's gonna be different. And I would make myself a schedule that was absolutely impossible. And I would get up and I would go for a walk and I would do all the right things. And then I would go and I would start my day with my kids and it would just go derail so quickly. There were things outside my control. There were things that were unexpected that I wasn't prepared for. And it made me either feel angry or it made me feel like anxious that I wasn't keeping on my schedule. And we derailed day after day after day. I started to realize, you know what, on my own, I'm not even sure I'm that great of a mom. And so I would go for walks and instead of, of trying to hype myself up for the day and think about all the things I would do, I started to go for walks and just say, God, I can't. I have plans and I love having plans, but I surrender these plans to you. And I say, I'm going to choose to be flexible today. I'm going to choose that whatever you say will be, and I am going to rest in that and trust you. I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to equip me. I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to strengthen me. I would ask him for creativity. I would ask him for patience with my children. I would ask him that I would be so full of joy that it would bubble out into my home. And I would come back and through the grace of God and his strength I was able to be a better mother but the days that I would wake up I'd go to bed feeling guilty and shameful and I would wake up saying I'm going to do better and I would make myself my list and I would read self-help books and whatever else those were the things that actually derailed me more than anything else the more I tried to take things into my own control the more I realized that my own control sucked That when I surrendered things to him, that is when. When I was in relationship with him, that was when. When I just spent time in his presence, I had a capacity that I didn't have without him. Are you spending time basking in his presence? Or are we so busy with all of the things that we are forgetting the very thing that our soul needs in order to breathe? Bible says man does not live by bread alone but every word that comes from his mouth we need manna fresh manna for today we need sustenance we need water from the living well that doesn't go dry we need to be filled with the holy spirit and with his presence and we need to hear his voice for our life today each and every day this isn't some religious thing of oh i have to do my devotions because you know i gotta be a good christian i gotta read through the bible because that's what a good christian does Uh uh-uh god actually does not need you to read your bible Someone's going to take that out of context, Context use like some soundbite from that and be like, oh, see what Rebecca said. No, God doesn't need us to do anything, to earn anything. The price has been paid. He desires relationship with us. He wants relationship with us. And you and me, we need relationship with him. We need it. It is for us to to be in his presence to hear his voice it will give you a strength and a capacity that you cannot have on your own lastly we have this sealing up the cracks i was praying about what what does that mean god sealing up the cracks of of our rubber sealing up the cracks of our heart and he told me it was so instant you guys forgiveness 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 are there people in your life right now that you have been hurt by that you have been offended by, that you have put up walls so that that won't happen again, that you have been gouged by. What we do when we are hurt, what we do when we are cracked is we tend to turtle up, we tend to want to protect, but the problem is, is that that actually makes us harder or that causes cracks to form and they continually form and they seep and they can be injured again and again and again because it never truly gets a chance to heal. It is a crack. It is an open wound. Some of you have open wounds today and you need to fill the cracks. You need to forgive the people in your lives that you are holding on to resentment and anger and bitterness. Because let me tell you again, these things in your life, in your life, they are damaging you. Maybe your unforgiveness is damaging someone else. Maybe, maybe they feel hurt by the fact that you're not forgiving them. Most likely they don't even know And most likely, your unforgiveness is hurting no one but you. It is binding you. When we forgive people, it not only seals that hurt inside of our hearts, but it allows us to stay soft because bitterness, bitterness, you guys, when it takes root in our heart, we grow so hard and we can't even help ourselves anymore. It's like in, in, was it the Wizard of Oz where we're just, just stone? Was it, wasn't that the Wizard of Oz? Kind of a dark moment in it. But it is, it is literally like we become stone and we have no ability to even thaw out our hearts anymore. It isn't ice. It is stone. And how can that be restored? How can that be restored once again? Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart And a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. This is the word. When I was praying today about what God wanted to say on this podcast, this is the word that he told me. Some of you have been hurt. Some of you have allowed yourself to become hard, to become cold, to become distant, or perhaps you are prideful and you think you have all the answers and you are inflexible and you are unmoving, unwilling to hear any viewpoint but your own because you think that you are right in all things. Whether this is in religion, whether this is in your family, whether this is in your your personal faith, whether this is in, in, in whatever, your relationships, politics, it doesn't matter what it is. I believe that all of us actually in areas of our lives have rigidness, have hardness, have walls, have things that we have have done to protect ourselves from others. And I believe that God today wants to remove that. I believe that if you are willing to follow the steps to keep rubber from cracking, if you will wash your heart and repent and confess, if you will spend time in his presence and ask him for help. If you will forgive others who have hurt you, if you will have self-discipline and choose to keep yourself in this tension of of being stable and of hearing his voice so that you can think critically and, and, and problem solve and see multiple angles and viewpoints and be empathetic, if you can be full of love so that you can love others, you will remain flexible and you will remain soft. And God desires that for you. God desires that for you because that is, that is where you will find the most fulfillment in your entire life. It's kind of an ironic thing, isn't it? That when you are soft and when you are vulnerable and you are the most at risk for attack is when you will find the most peace and the most rest and the most joy in your life. This is definitely a message for myself because I definitely have a tendency to to put up walls and to distance myself. And and, uh, this is probably one of the biggest things that God has taught me and is continuously teaching me in my life. He continuously tells me stay soft. You do not have to defend yourself. You know, every time I go online and I see the negative stuff, every time I go online and I see the reviews of stuff that doesn't even exist anymore and there's new things and there's better things and it's frustrating to me. Every time I I get attacked or get an email that... I'm this, or I'm that, or, or who am I to be doing this or doing that or whatever those things may be. It is so easy to allow myself to get hard and to get distant, to get callous or become bitter or become discouraged. And yet God continuously tells me, you do not defend yourself. I feel like this is part of the verse of if, if, um, um, like turning the other cheek. You know, we always take that as, as I don't know, I don't know how people take that. But for me, for me, I feel like there's something in that of, I will stay soft. I will not allow myself to grow so hard that I'm going to lift up my fist and I'm going to fight you back. I will stay soft and I will not defend myself, but rather I will trust that God will defend me. And even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, even if he allows me to be attacked. It's okay. It's okay. You know, when we start to have a spiritual mindset, we stop thinking about everything and taking everything so personally because it comes less about us and more about him then we don't actually get as offended. When stuff comes our way and when we are attacked, it's much easier to just be like, oh, you know, you're not attacking me because we don't battle against flesh and blood. I mean, man, like it's, there's definitely something going on in the spirit here. It becomes easier, you guys. You don't have to defend yourself because it's actually not you that they're attacking and God can defend himself. He's perfectly capable of it. And if he chooses not to, that's okay. I don't have to get offended or hurt that, that God is not what vindicating me. Because he has a plan and he has a purpose. And ultimately, it's himself that is being attacked. It's him in me. It's Holy Spirit in me that's being attacked. So so over and over again, he has taught me. Over and over again, he has told me, be soft. Stay soft. You will be able to receive from God when you are soft. You will be able to pour out to others when you remain soft. Someone needs to hear that today. Let's end in prayer. God, I thank you for anyone that was listening to this podcast today. I thank you that you desire for us to be flexible and that you even give us opportunities. You sometimes, you say you discipline those you love. You give us opportunities to stretch ourselves so that we can increase our flexibility. Father, I pray that we would begin to see these, these things that we encounter, these situations and, and whatever else, God, that we would begin to see them as opportunities to increase our flexibility. I pray that you would speak to us and guide us and direct us. I pray that you would remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. I pray that you will, you will allow us to be tenderhearted towards others, that we would love them, that we would forgive them, Father, and that we would be able to come to you and bask in your presence and that through you, God, through you, we would be able to do all things through you who strengthens us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us new living word for today. Thank you that you give us bread to live on each and every day. Thank you for revelation, Holy Spirit. And I pray that each person that has listened to this today, God, that you would just allow this, to, this, this seed to go deep into their hearts, God, and that there would be change, there would be fruit, if not for their sake, then for the sake of their children, that our children will see us begin to mature and grow and bear fruit in our life, to be flexible and open and trusting to be able to be moved by the Spirit because we're no longer trying to determine or control our steps and that they will see the testimony of what God is doing in our lives. And they will take that, they will take that torch and they will run with it in their lives as well. Let this be our legacy, God. Teach us, make us a generation, a generation that is following you, Holy Spirit, and is surrendered to what you are doing in our lives.